It's time for another exciting, enthralling, stupefyingly monotonous, and entirely unnecessary episode of TV Chinwag. Please welcome your hosts with the meh, Ryan and Jules. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 19 of TV Chinwag. My name is Ryan and with me as always is the woman who puts the talk in TV Chinwag. <laughs> <laughs> my partner Jules. <laughs> that made no sense. Uh, a, a partner uh, without whom there would be very little talking in this podcast because it would be me saying stupid things like, "Oh, it was, it was good." <laughs> no, you put the I don't know. You put the chin in the chin way. <laughs> Thanks, Jules. It's because I have this beard, isn't it? Is that a beard? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were doing like a comb over with your pubes or something, but that makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> Definitely not. No. I I, I beg your pardon, madam. <laughs> well, I've never. Yes, you have. Um, I love it when you pretend to clutch your pearls and be all shocked. Um, I'm affronted. I'm absolutely affronted. And backed as well, and right up the rear. <laughs> oh Jesus! Hello. This is an awfully blue episode already. Oh, it is. Even though what we're talking about today is not going to be very blue, we're going to be talking about today the leftovers and the strain. And do you know what these two shows have in common, Ryan? I, which I only realised after we'd scheduled to talk about them together. No, what do they have in common? They are both made by people who made a show you and I are very, very, very fond of. The Leftovers uh, is made by Damon Lindelof and The Strain uh-huh. by Carlton Cruz. Now, how do I know Carlton Cruz? Because he made Lost with Damon Lindelof. I've never heard of this show, Lost. <laughs> you can deny it all you want. Loved it. Well, that's pretty cool. Yes. Um, and they've really gone in kind of different directions here, haven't they? Yes. Well, Carlton, of course, um, is uh, had previously done... I think it's still on, actually. Um, sorry, I should say Carlton Cruz, not Cruz. Um, he right. did Bates Motel. I'm not sure if that's uh. still on, which is like the um, uh, Psycho, uh, Norman Bates um, prequel TV show, which I did give a little go to but didn't really get into. Um, and Damon, mm-hmm. of course, has off been making and rewriting people's movies, and this is his first foray back into television but before we get on to talking about these shows and i have much to say um what's have you got anything from the world of television ryan not so much television (laughs) but there's a well i mean i guess since the last time we podcast joan rivers passed away that was awfully sad we didn't get a chance to talk about uh that but i don't have a whole lot to say about joan rivers very funny lady um you know, she lived a good life. What can you say? Well, we did. Um, I think we mentioned when we reviewed um, Louis uh, earlier this right. year. There's an episode which which features her rather prominently in it, which um, was wonderful. I really, uh, yes, my my I did feeling too. towards Joan Rivers, her content of her comedy has never been. I've been a bit ambivalent. I think she certainly did a huge amount as far as, um, you know, having an amazing career and everything. Um, but this this cameo she had on uh, on Louis was just just a wonderful. It was a, it was about being a comedian, and and I think there was it was a great episode, one of my favourites. I think. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, so yes, and she got to have the the funeral she wanted, which involved a red carpet and uh, which was actually buried with her. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to have a red carpet buried with me. I, I'm not really interested in a red no. carpet being buried with me. That's weird. Why would you do that? I don't know. Uh, I don't even want to be buried, so we'll save that for another episode where we talk about our funerals. But um, the other Joan, th- uh, I think she was 81, uh, survived by her nose, her chin, and her cheekbones. <laughs> Come on, these are jokes. I know. She wrote most of them before she died. Jokes, yeah. <laughs> um, 
the other bit of news I've got now, everyone, if you've li- ever listened to this podcast before, will know that I'm fascinated with the expansion of uh, broadcasting onto the internet, uh, the rise of things such as Hulu, Amazon Prime, and of course, Netflix. Now, I live in a country um, that you may think exists in the 19th century because we have none of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going back to the, the early days of DVD, it still exists to some extent with the region blocking, although most everyone I know in Australia has a region-free DVD player, so it's not so much of an issue. But, uh, you know, they make it very hard for us to get access to things the rest of the world is watching on television, hence the reason we're the country that has the highest rate of pirating of television in the world. Um, well, and that you're a country filled with pirates. <laughs> Yes, it was International Talk Like a Pirate Day this week. What's a pirate's favourite letter, Ryan? W. No, no. <laughs> you meant to say R. Um, and then, why did and the, then I say no, no. Pir- you say R. Okay, R. Ah, you think it might be R, but tis the sea they love. <laughs> That's pretty good. Why did the um, pirate have a steering wheel belt buckle? I don't know, Ryan. Why did the pirate have a steering wheel belt buckle? Arr, she's driving me nuts. <laughs> okay, let's go back to talking about television. <laughs> You'd think it was R, but we it's a C, they lie. <laughs> we don't want to kill everyone with our high-level humour. Joan Rivers is probably glad she's dead at this point and not listening to our podcast. Anyway. One of the great sorrows down under has been, of course, we don't have access to Netflix. Funnily enough, though, <laughs> through Not a word. various means, you can get access to Netflix. Now, these are exist probably in some legal grey zone in that it involves paying for Netflix. It just is not meant to be available in Australia. So people pay the monthly subscription for US or Canadian or whatever Netflix. Um, and it's the fastest growing and I think almost the most popular streaming service in Australia, even though it's not here yet. And there's been a lot of talk over the last year about when Netflix will formally move into Australia. Um, and yes, I've no idea what all the uh, the holdups are, but obviously it's to do with the existing television industry here. Uh, interestingly, though, they have now bought the streaming Australian streaming rights to uh, the much-hyped series Gotham, which is uh, starting in the full season. Now, what that means is when they do finally launch in Australia, they'll be able to stream that here. But it's one of the first, you know, to buy the rights for a series before it's aired here for a service that doesn't exist here certainly shows there's great interest in launching Netflix here. So please, come on. Australia needs Netflix. Get your shit together. Um, but in the meantime, I will keep giving you my $9 a month because Netflix is awesome. There you go. Well, yeah, they are. Yeah. And what is the, um, routing service that you use? I use, uh, US Unblock, Mm -hmm. um, for... Uh, Unblock Us. Unblock Us, sorry. Unblock Mm -hmm. Us, not US Unblock. Um, Um, who actually have an affiliate program. So maybe I tried to sign up for a Netflix affiliate program to advertise on the show couldn't find one, so maybe we should go with an Unblock Us affiliate. Mm. Well, it's certainly used by a lot of that, and I think there's the whole uh, um, script for Chrome you can use as well, and these basically are, are things that mask the fact that you're from Australia. There are other things you need, yeah. though, because uh, often these services will not accept Australian credit cards, but um, uh, sometimes they do. Like Netflix. And if people want more information, they can just get a hold of you at the uh, Super Wiki. <laughs> no! Shush! Walk them through this, how it's done. Can we edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> Is that how we're going to go ahead and move on with yeah, this? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it's a really gray zone, and there's no laws against it, to be quite honest. It's not black market. It's very gray. No, I mean, I'm, I'm paying. shades of, I don't know. You're paying out of your own pocket I'm, for I'm paying um, for a service. It really comes down to advertisers and licensing yeah. and all that legal mumbo-jumbo that is just people trying to get every nickel they can. And you know what? If 
the fans have the ability to get that content, to pay for it, to try and use it in the most legal sense, they definitely should, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't think it's hurting anyone other than the end user or the the seller who hasn't got it together enough to get these licensing rights well, sorted. Well, exactly. Out. And look, I have to you know, the Australian TV industry is in in a mess at the moment because it's uh, you know, it, it's not kept antiquated. It's antiquated. Our pay TV service and I've said this before I know has never had the sort of uptake that uh, it's had say in the US or or, or even Canada. Um, so the fact that Game of Thrones is on Foxtel doesn't mean much to most people because they don't have it. So now Foxtel have put it on a streaming service that you can buy for a lot less. But, uh, you know, something like $9 a month is a magnitude of order cheaper than any of the pay TV uh, services. So I will imagine that when Netflix Netflix formally um, launches in Australia, there will be a huge amount of interest in it. And our networks here will have to have a good long hard look at themselves and they'll probably just end up having reality tv 24 hours a day yay go the bachelor Pretty much. yeah absolutely <laughs> um no. i mean it would be nice to now do you guys have content laws this is going to be a really exciting podcast for everyone but do you have content laws in australia that dictate a certain percentage has to be like homegrown material yes although i know on on canadian we have something called CanCon laws where uh, like 15 percent of all songs on the radio need to be canadian yep so we have that here although um and look i'm not an expert in it but over the last certainly decade i'm pretty sure what's defined as australian content has been expanded so whereas it used to be uh you know, so you can get a lot of it. Like reality TV, obviously now counts for a high amount. Whereas I think they used to have categories where you used to have to have a certain amount of scripted drama or um, documentary or news programs. Now it's just anything with an made in Australia, uh, and, and that's you know it's a lot broader than um, than it used to be. And to be honest, there are very now very very few scripted dramas on Australian television. There's a couple of soap operas, you know, and they're six o'clock soap operas, so they're not grown-up soap operas either. There's a lot of reality TV. <clears throat> we don't even have any comedy, hardly any... No, I don't think... The thing is, like, one sketch comedy show on at the moment. So uh, it's a really sad state. And, you know, some of that's cost. Uh, some of it's the ease with which, um, you know, content can be bought from overseas, but... You know, it's it's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't nurture uh, talent at home. You can't not have a place for people to write and act. And you know, we've seen how many Australian actors end up in the US. That that's not just because they want fame and fortune. It's just because they want a bloody job. <laughs> they all do a stint on one of our two soap operas, Home and Away or Neighbours, and that's good enough that they can, you know, yeah. their talent gets recognised elsewhere. But there's no jobs for them here. So. Anyway. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And now, for those who want to, let us pray for mercy and forgiveness and the return of those who have left us. As to the instantaneous disappearance of 2% of the world's population, your conclusion as to what happened, some 140 million souls, is, I don't know... No matter what we suffered, we are still alive. It's gonna be okay. How's it gonna be okay? Please come home. Please come home! She's not coming back. None of them are. It wasn't the rapture! They were no better than us! What you're doing is not making things better. We want them to remember something they want to forget. They are trying to provoke us. We can never be weak. For whoever is joined with all the living, there is hope. Do you know where my family went? Do you know what it was? It was a test for what comes now. Nagging you to watch uh, this show for ages. It's um, ah, 
what can I say about it? It's The Leftovers, uh, based on a book by Tom Perotta, created by him and uh, Damon Lindelof, who I think is amazing. And it's, for my mind, a quite extraordinary series. It's set in a small town in, up, I think it's upstate New York. It takes place uh, three years after an event where suddenly, in a moment, 2% of people in the world just disappeared. Um, and this the show picks up three years after that event, which is sort of known, I think it's known as the sudden departure, and uh, focuses on the Garvey family uh, and their town and the effect of this event on them. Um, it's had 10 episodes, renewed for a second season. What did you think, Ryan, of The Leftovers? I'm really glad I got to watch it. I, I really enjoyed the heck out of this. You know, it kind of reminded... Do you remember a show a few years ago where everyone on Earth fell asleep for 15 seconds? Or Was that the event or was that... Oh, it was one of those sort of shows. Yes, I know the one you mean. Yeah, I can't was remember it what the event. There was one. There, what I think of as event shows. So a bit like the forty four hundred, the event. Um, in fact, one of the uh, the Chris Carter, um, he of the X Files, picked up a pilot of his called The After on Amazon. Yeah, The um, After, yeah. Uh, which is actually really bad, but same sort of thing. <laughs> There's some mysterious event and. It affects the it world. It affects everyone. Worldwide. Um, I really like this. Now, this was made... Um, actually, it's on HBO, but it's not an HBO production. They had actually... Uh, the production company... Actually, was it Warner Brothers? It may have been yeah. Warner Brothers that made this. Uh, and then HBO bought it, which is very rare for HBO. Usually, they make their own things. Um, I, I think it's a, a great show. It's, it's funny how borderline it could be because these great events shows... A lot of them are kind of shitty. So yes. <laughs> the, the dividing line between you know this show and what makes it great and what makes the other one shitty, I, that's that's the sweet spot, I guess. That's what makes it makes success. Um, I wasn't overly crazy about uh, Justin Theroux, the main character. Uh, I mean, the character is fine. I wasn't sure about the acting choice, the actor's choice, rather. Uh, I found felt him to be just a little bit too good looking, a little <laughs> bit too uh, polished. Although his character is obviously a mess, um, I, I didn't really read that in him. Um, this is the stereotypical angsty teens in it, which I actually really like. Yeah, isn't it here. funny how they work yeah. here? Because yeah. yeah, I absolutely hate the self-obsessed angsty teens who, from shows from uh, you know Twenty Four Homeland, they're some of my mm -hmm. um, the, the teens I've hated the most. Um, <laughs> but these ones work so well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and again, I, I, the One Hundred also bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at least in the One Hundred, they kill each other. So you have that satisfaction but um no the teens in this and certainly um well, his daughter his, and, and his daughter friend. in particular and her friend are appalling but um they're appalling in a really fascinating wonderful way yeah i agree uh, and a way that you in a realistic way i think like these are people that you could have known as a kid and and understood where they were coming from and they act like teenagers act. yeah and so i should say that i mean this show it's not focusing on the it's focusing on the aftermath of something terrible happening. Now, in this, it's this unexplained disappearance of people. But, you know, I think the metaphor is it could be anything. It could be, a, a you know, some terrible tragedy a, a family has, or it could be a bigger event, if you want to say like 9-11 or something. What what impact does that have on on your culture, your society, and and then more close to home on your on your family? It's not interested in the how and why, and although that is played out softly in the background of it, it that's not the point of the show. The point of the show is right. um, what effect it had on these people and how and, and society. I think that's one of the interesting things. Is it really does look at the civic impact, if you like. Um, and because this event was so without explanation, 
everyone of course tries to come up with explanations for it was it a you know was it the rapture were the people taken mm-hmm. good people or the best people or all the worst people um is you know it brings up that what is the whole point of life you know it's mm-hmm. how do you go on with your life knowing that at any moment some something so inexplicable could happen which is something you know um a lot of us experience if you do have a a tragedy happen in your life it does make you question what's the point of all this so they're the themes i suppose running through this show it's not a show where anyone's sitting around investigating what happened except more on a bigger picture uh format i suppose in terms of the impact it's having and challenging how some people interpret you know the events um one of the interesting parts of of what Jules is just explaining is what happens generally in the background in the softly in the background is these cults start popping up based around the disappearance and why it happened and everybody has their own damn take on the thing and it's a little bit like fandom in that regard where <laughs> everybody segregates to their own that's, little that's, cliques that's really and, true isn't it it's a, these yeah. Different explanations and different investments in. So there's a, for example, uh, Christopher Eccleston plays who people, some people will know from many great roles, but he is known to many people as uh, the first Doctor the first in the doctor. in the uh, reincarnation of Doctor Who. My doctor. Your Doctor <laughs> for five minutes, um, and he's yeah. a, a reverend uh, who, uh, you know, he's he's determined to go around and and break down the idea that the people who disappeared were all the best of us who were because so he goes around digging up dirt basically um on people going look these weren't heroes they weren't those that were without sin or however you want to frame it and then you have uh this (laughs) it's really hard it's hard to explain this without it sounding well it is bizarre i suppose the guilty talk about the guilty remnant ryan the white the white so the guilty remnant is a bunch of people who for some reason or other and jules you may have paid more attention than i did but for some reason or other decides that their lot in life is to recruit people but uh they wear all white they don't speak and all they do is smoke cigarettes and smoking is their way of i don't know i don't know and there are they think that they're already dead that there's nothing really left to live for am i getting this right jules or am no, i missing I think, the mark well and completely? i think it says it speaks to this show it's weird, it's weird. is what it is it's, it's, it's a reaction to this event which is both you know What's the point in talking anymore? Let's smoke because, you know, we could disappear at the next moment. They both seem to, particularly early on, and I don't want to spoil anything, you know, they want to keep reminding people about the event, um, but what their what their purpose is in that is not quite clear. It doesn't – this is not a show that spells things out. So no one, you know – um, Justin Thoreau, we should say, who's, I suppose, our main point of view character, is Kevin Garvey, who's a police, chief of police in this small town. Now, at no point does he sit down with another character and they go, oh, well, the guilty remnant, they smoke well, because of this and they do this because of this. It's not yeah. that sort of... Wasn't that crazy when this and this yeah. and this happened and then everyone reacted like, no, it's no, a no, show, no, 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 exposition. Not at, not at all, which is for me, is a great relief because it leaves you open. And that's, I think, a lot of what the show does in its structure and how it presents. It's about grasping for meaning and that makes the viewer do that as well. So you're trying to think, why would they possibly be doing this? What What's it about? And it's not in a, oh, let's uncover the mystery sort of way. It's more just in a what about that event led them down this path? There's another group led by Holly Wayne who can grant you wishes with a hug. That's a <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Right. And and the, the son it takes your so pain away. So the central family we're looking at, um Laurie, who who was the mother in the family, she's joined the guilty remnant. The son has joined, gone off with Holly Wayne, and we're left with with the, the police chief at home with his um, 
brashy, bitter daughter and her snarky friend who sort of moves in and his father who's gone crazy. Um, it's it's a really hard show to sort of describe. In, it's, I feel like by breaking it down into those things, it doesn't do the show justice. Is that... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things you have to really sort of sit through it before you can experience it. Um, well, I think that's it. It's about <laughs> it's about feeling. It's about feeling. It's a, it takes you to a place which is, I think, is is analogous to you know how the people in this are feeling. So it's really interesting in terms of structure, and I think um, some of that certainly as a Lost fan, felt an echo of that. So you have episodes that are quite um, ensemble-based, so because we do get to know other... We get to know other people in this town um, and as well as this family, and they're quite ensemble-based. Then other episodes are single-character-based. So, for example, we have... When we first meet the Christopher Eccleston character, there's a whole episode just on him. Um, mm-hmm. Nora, who's... Uh, Carrie oh, Coon, isn't she actress. amazing? Now, here I'm going to make okay. a prediction. You kind of have a crush on her. <laughs> that, that actually uh, wasn't one of the feelings I had about her, other than, oh my, no? well, oh, wow. she's a very attractive woman, but oh my God, what an actor. Well, she, and yeah, she's yeah, come, no, I believe she's come from uh, theatre in Chicago. Uh, so uh. not, I don't know if she's done any television. Uh, she's coming up in a couple of movies. Oh, there you go. She, oh. She was in. Don't tell me. She was in Intelligence. No, not, a, not, not our your Intelligence. intelligence the not shitty, a one. shitty one. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the good one's the Canadian one. Anyway, she's not really been seen before, uh, or I didn't know of her, which is the same thing. Um, but oh my God, she is incredible, absolutely incredible uh, in this. And there's a there's a whole episode based around her as well. So we. It's a strangely structured show in that it does go from single sort of character POV to ensemble. I did find about halfway through, probably around episode five or six, I was getting a bit frustrated with the pacing. And I think it's because I hadn't quite sort of given myself over to the story, if you like. At that point, I still wasn't sure what this show was going to be. Was it going to be what, what you know, looking into what the event was? Uh, but really, I think looking back now, it takes those first five or six episodes to establish everything, but not in a, a predictable way. It's, it's drawing us into this world. In Sometimes it goes off into little side eddies. Sometimes it's the main thing. Um and and it, it, it can, again, it was challenging because I'm like, well, is the plot moving forward? What is the, what is the plot? what is the show about? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I certainly then by the second half, I, you know, I got over that in an episode or so, and then I was like, no, no, I'm I'm totally on board with this. Yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit. And now here's a couple things that reminded me of it. It it kind of reminded me a little bit about in the flash. Yes. Where you sort of come into something after it's already happened. The big event has already yes. happened and you're just looking at the echo of of the shit that got disturbed, essentially. Um, it reminded me of that. It reminded me of, like we mentioned earlier, The Event. Was that what it was called? I think it was called The Event. Um, in that regard, that's a world-sized thing that happened and people have to figure it out. Um, and then there's there's a lot of weird, dreamy sequence kind of things that... You don't know if they're happening, if they're not happening, yeah. are all the people there? Is and I think that's, somebody losing their mind? It's really well done. So the the, uh, the main character Kevin uh, will often wake up in the morning. He's he's lost time, or it appears that he's he's sleepwalked, or something's happened. Um, but they do this in a way that's not, you know, it's not swirly dissolve. Oh my God, he's having a dream, sort of thing. It is again. It's about feeling. So it's about making you feel. Like he does, which is, did it happen? Did it not happen? And it's done in such a subtle way that you can almost skim over it like he does in his life. And he goes about his normal life. He's not sitting down going, oh, my God, I'm losing time. Quick, I better find out what's happening. It's like, no, you know, 
as we often do in life, trying to shut down the inexplicable or the disturbing and just go on with your daily life until it starts really intruding and you find you're doing things that are um, that you really are doing that you don't remember. Um, and I love that. I love how it builds that. It's really a show that builds little things that have payoffs later, but I can't wait to go back and rewatch it as well to see what was. Yeah, here's the problem with me: is I couldn't get the last episode. What? Yeah, that my way of getting things failed on me. No. I wasn't able to watch the last episode. Oh, I'm not going to say anything. So I don't know how it ends. Oh, well, it's amazing. Um, I will. I'm- but the journey has been really good. I, I have really enjoyed it. Now, also in there is Liv Tyler, yes, uh, whom I've always thought was fantastic, and she does. I think she does a really good job here playing her character oh yeah I, I don't think it's a stretch for Liv Tyler I think it's sort of just Liv Tyler yeah. being an actress incorporating a role but I like her I, I think she does a great job of um, also Amy Brenneman who people would know from other shows which I can't judging someone who was she judging Amy is that a show or am I making that up uh, but there was a show I think she was, wasn't Amy, she yeah. the judge in judging Amy Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. Anyway, she, yeah, she she's yeah. The, the Laurie Garvey, yeah, Kevin, the main character's wife, who goes off to join this strange cult. Now she basically has no dialogue for the whole season, and because she's in this weird cult, and they, yeah. they just write notes to each other, and also, um, oh, um, a, a, a actor called Anne Dowd plays Patty, who's the leader of this cult. Now I thought she was amazing as well. And, now here's a show. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but here's a show that's hiring lead women who aren't the twenty-year-old starlets. These no. are women who have wrinkles and re- women who are overweight and women who have, you know, um, whatever. They're not. They're not, not CW you, actors. <laughs> it's just so refreshing oh. to see people, and they're they're hired because they're amazing actors. actors. Exactly, um, and in fact, you know. The whole the whole cast here are made up of people uh, who are fantastic actors. Interestingly, Peter Berg is one of the EPs, and he directed the first or first and second, I think, episode. People know Peter Berg particularly from Friday Night Lights, and a lot of the extraordinary work he did on that, particularly with with the cast and the actors, and giving them the space to really I- inhabit their characters. And I'd be interested to know what sort of influence he had behind the scenes on. Um, on the work in in this show because there's a lot of emotional scenes obviously but a lot of not big emotional scenes there 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 are later in a couple of places but also a lot of quiet emotional scenes like these are people often falling apart or trying to keep it together and how do you portray that again without having people cry or without them tell someone so the cinematography i think has been really important in conveying those moments of isolation or connection in some cases and and it's an i love the look of the show and i think it really uh tells its story visually in a really good way absolutely it's it's really beautifully filmed um you know they've (laughs) typical hbo style they they spare no expense in production or at least it, it appears that they haven't because uh, it's filmed very nicely. Surprisingly not filmed in Canada, which it seems to me like I was actually watching it for the first few episodes and thinking it was filmed in Vancouver. Actually filmed in New York yeah. State. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, uh, I'm just looking at the cinematography credits. Uh, Tom McMullen, uh, Michael Grady, and Michael Slovis, whom I believe Slovis worked on... Uh, He's worked on some big stuff like Breaking Bad and um, a few different sorts of things, CSI and things like that. I, I know I've seen him around before, uh, but really beautifully filmed, um, making some great use out of New York State. Um, the small town feel, Jules, kind of, here's going on a limb, but kind of reminded me of Under the Dome. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a. Um, uh, I would not like to use that as the comparator, given what we both think about <laughs> Under the Dome. But I suppose it's it's what Under the Dome could and have it's been. The analogy I is mean, that that that's what is why you have this set in a small town because you want to have sort of a a contained community where 
you know the influences of individuals and the can be felt so that the and people know each other so the mayor and uh, you know uh, characters know each other and <laughs> the mayor is yeah. great <laughs> um so I, I you know and i think it it works very well you know because of that although you know we do get hints of what's happened uh you know in the rest of the world there's a wonderful scene early on if it's not in the first maybe the second episode where uh, someone's in a bar and the tv's on and they're talking about uh the celebrities who got taken um during right. the the departure and that's that's quite amusing um and you yeah. get a little bit of more of that as as you go on and, and you haven't seen it but certainly in the last episode there's a char- couple of the characters are outside of the the town so you start to get a sense of how other pe- how yeah and Small. how other communities might might be dealing with it um i know s- I like how uh, I like how they pull up things like um, the government now starts different branches and hires people to take care of, um, you know, one of the main characters' jobs is to dole out yes. funding and, you know, give people money if they've had disappearances and how they, you know, all of that, how that and goes. And this. To me, it seems like there could be, you know, seasons upon seasons and upon seasons that can happen after this. That we just really have no clue as to any anything in regards to what's happened. I mean, it really doesn't tip its hand. No, as to and to what's some extent, happened. that doesn't matter. I mean, I'd be happy if we never find out what happens. There are certainly clues that there is some. Uh, I you know there'll at least be something more revealed. Although I don't think it's ever going to be the point of the show. But there are various things, particularly right. to do with the main character's father, who disturbingly is played by. Um, no, no, it's not him. He, sorry, I'm thinking of someone in the strain. Uh, but uh, who plays his father? Um, I've forgotten for the moment. Anyway. Uh, his father seems to perhaps be involved or not be connected with these little clues, particularly to do with a recurring issue of National Geographic. Um, now, Ryan, did you find <laughs> – I know some reviewers, as I was watching it during the the um, reading during the season, a couple dipped out because they found it really depressing. Um, did you Did you find that at all? Or did you find it too much? I mean, it's not. It's, um, it's not a happy. I, I found show. a little bit of the. Uh, n- no, I found a little bit of the psychosis to be a bit annoying, to be honest with you, uh, and his psychosis. And I understand that's sort of something that's going to probably be coming up. Um, yeah, I thought that was a bit something. Um, you know, I, 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 to be honest, I was doing other things while I was watching it, you know, surfing the web or doing whatever. Um, so it, it didn't okay. really have me that enraptured like some things do. You know, if I'm watching um, Walking Dead or something, I'm, I'm watching it. This oh, I kind of okay. just had on the background while I was doing other things. I still really enjoyed it, um, but I didn't feel like I had to have my eyes glued to no. the screen the whole time. So, you know, I, I maybe I shouldn't talk about it because I, I don't know for sure, but I, I thought it was fine. I, I didn't think it was depressing. It's interesting, uh, and I think we touched on this... Uh, recently we were talking about um, some of the TV shows and lead, lead characters and, and I think we might have been talking about, oh, when I talked about Sons of Anarchy coming back. It's interesting that people don't see right. those sort of shows as depressing give, given that they have such, uh, you know, they portray humanity as, as basically being really horrible. <laughs> people who will kill at a, the yeah. drop of a hat and who take delight in torture. and. Um, Right. I think this show, you know, there's obviously this whole show is is shot through with sort of existential angst. You know, it is about what is what is the meaning of life. You know, it is about how do you create meaning. Uh, and and as I said, I think particularly mm-hmm. when something bad happens, as often happens, that can be inexplicable. Uh, you know, it's nothing I did or I don't deserve this. How do you then reconstruct meaning in your life or find meaning in your life and carry on? And I think that it's not depressing, mm-hmm. but that's you know, like they're the big questions in life. Um, so I certainly not, can see how people could find that challenging. I did find this, if you like, uh, if I can use, and I'm going to use um, a real cliche, appointment viewing. Um, this was a show I did want to sit down and watch without any distractions. Um, and, and as I said, I can't wait to actually go back, having watched the 
the whole season and, and actually rewatch it because I did find the first half of it was me trying to work out what this show was and what it was about. So I would say for people who who give it a go, it's I don't think it's a show you can judge on the first episode or the first two episodes because then you'll get to the third episode and it's something totally, not totally different, but I think it's the third episode that's the Christopher Eccleston episode. And you'll go, oh, this is about something taking me in another direction. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a show that's about as much about mood and feeling as it is about the characters or the or the plot it does take you to a place of, of feeling um interestingly the apparently the first season ends where the book that it's based on ends so it will be sort of going off on its own after this i haven't read the book i purposely didn't want to read that before i'd seen the show um but look mm. i i would give it a go i i think it's um these you know these are the reasons i watch television to see stories like this that are just Nothing you could predict, nothing uh, that's even easy to explain on a podcast. Yeah, or something easy. Yeah, exactly. Something easy to explain. It's just not possible. Um, I, I definitely recommend it. I, you know, if anyone out there is just sitting on the fence, if they should watch it, go and watch it. I think it was a really good show and uh, definitely kept me entertained. It's got good quality. Again, it's going to have your swearing and your nudity and your violence, so it's got that oh, yeah. going for um, it. Anyone, and I know um, there are some people in this particularly, there there are some things to do with animals that you'll want to, might want to fast forward over, because I know some people particularly don't like seeing bad things happen to puppies. Oh, God. Just get over <laughs> animals, everybody. People are more important. But puppies! Don't, don't no, let your puppy people. watch it. Or do, as a lesson. Puppies don't understand. They're stupid Shh. animals. Don't, don't. Jules, you know how I feel about animals. Don't listen. They're delicious. Don't listen, Lola. Um, anyway, <laughs> do do watch this, um, because you should, because it will make your life richer. And yeah, it's definitely all worth elements watching. of it. I think as we've touched on the directing, the cinematography, the acting, the writing. Um, are amazing and come together. It's it's just that sort of show that will make you feel and make you think. So there you go. Here's a bizarre tie-in. The company that did the visual effects for this also did the visual effects for Power, which we reviewed last week. Wow. And interestingly... Which you also got a retweet from the Stars Network uh, yes! on our podcast. <laughs> yes! I'm so good at promotion uh self-promotion um well good on them because i, I think doing and, and these i mean that's maybe a podcast for another day but these are shows that are not what you tend to think of as visual effects heavy in terms of they don't have you know demons and uh aliens or you know decapitations yeah. but obviously there's you yeah. know a lot of work being done to make them look as good as they do yeah absolutely and it's the little things that you don't really see um, that that make these shows. I mean, with this one, actually, there's quite a bunch of really cool stuff. So, um, so there we go. So that is um, the leftovers. The leftovers. It's not just in the refrigerator anymore. <laughs> That's the subtitle of the show. Except, I don't know if you knew that. Was... well, except someone does end up in a refrigerator. Oh my God! It's like the woman in the refrigerator trope. <laughs> it all comes back to everything links in. Um, so what else are we talking oh about this God. week, Jules? What okay. is the name? So another show which I was... So say the name and then leave me a space so that I can play the uh, video file. The Strain. Oh my God. They're all dead. I have seen this disease before. All the passengers must be destroyed. Sunday, July 13th, on FX. Okay, what is The Strain about? The Strain now, is an actually... To be fair, I've, seen, I've only seen one okay, episode I've, of The Strain, I've, and I know I'm breaking our rules, because we usually watch three, but... Okay, so The Strain, I was excited about, uh, we already mentioned, uh, produced by Carlton Coos, ex-Lost, uh, 
but created by Guillermo del Toro, who is just, you know, one of my favourite filmmakers, going back to his early stuff like Kronos, um, I have loved his work. And so the fact that he was doing a TV series based, I think, on a, a, a novel he and Chuck Hogan, the co-creator, wrote, novel trilogy, I was really excited. This was going to be, you know, it's scary fucking vampires with big eating alien-like eating tubes coming out of their mouths and it's um, gross and there's a wonderful promo for it with a worm coming out of an eye and... The strain is actually the strain of watching this show. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. Yeah, I kind of felt that too. So the, the idea is no, that a plane no. uh, lands at New York Airport, and I have to say this uh, is filmed in Toronto, and even I have only been to New York a handful of times, can tell that this is Toronto. It ain't. It ain't <laughs> looking nothing. Like, even if you've only ever watched Law & Order you will know that this is not New York. <laughs> so right. minus yeah. points for that. Uh, a plane lands at the airport and it, it appears that everyone on it, except for a couple of people, are dead. The CDC gets called in and shenanigans. So sort of like the first episode of Fringe. Yeah. and Didn't that happen mm, the first episode of Fringe? A long time ago. Something like that. Sorry. Um, yeah. And so... The CDC gets called in, shenanigans ensue when some of the people end up coming back to life. There are centuries old vampires and his Nazi sidekick. Um, oh my God, I so wanted to love this show. And I've actually watched up to episode seven because some of my friends keep talking about how much they enjoy it. And I keep looking at it like I'm staring at one of those 3D pictures and I can't focus my eyes because I cannot see mm -hmm. the attraction. <laughs> Sort of like me whenever I watch any of the X-Men movies. Uh, quite possibly. I just, like, from the very get-go, this is talk about tropes, talk about someone putting something into the uh, script generator machine. Oh, we have Ephraim Goodweather, who's the CDC guy, played by Corey Stoll, who I really like, who is good in House of Cards, which we're going to... But just so you know, he's the good guy. They actually put the word good in his yes. name. Yes, and they give him a wig, which I don't know why, because the guy's bald. I don't know why he's got a wig, uh, which distracted huh. me terribly. Uh, of course, huh. he's the guy who puts his job before his family, and so his bitch wife is divorcing him, and his cute kid just wants daddy to play with him. Uh, well, that was confusing to me. That's the first episode, and he's, he's in therapy because she's going to leave him because of his job, and he's saying, no, no, I really want you to come back. But then isn't he having an affair yeah, on there so as well? Yeah, so he's screwing his very attractive, exotically foreign co-worker who does right. nothing, uh, and she's actually described, it was described in the casting as a caring biochemist. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, really yeah, caring. so he's screwing her. He wants his wife back and his kid, even though he won't even turn up to the therapy session or the um, custody hearings on time because he has to save the world. He is the worst uh, CDC operative in the history of um, contagious diseases, as is the whole CDC, seriously. Are you sure he's not the best? Because he acts oh. like he's the best. The way he walks in and he starts bossing the police and the FBI and the CIA and the airport authority and everyone around and telling them okay, what to do. Okay, one of one of my – we all have our little things like, you know, if – I'm sure, you know, as a tech guy, you know, you see things on shows that are so stupid tech-wise that might ping your buttons. I used to be a scientist. Sure. And I've got a pretty high tolerance for, for hand-wavy science and all that sort of stuff. But, my God, it's public health. You don't behave like this. Right. Oh, and we talked last week about how we liked it when things like police departments and that actually appear to have the rules and regulations that an actual organisation like that must have. This is like the CDC being run by, I don't know, my dog. It makes no sense. <laughs> You've got this yeah. unexplained event happening um, basically, you've got, I don't know what they are, zombie vampires appearing throughout New York, and everyone's okay with it. We have a really convenient little, oh, the head the head bad guy turns off the internet. Oh, you haven't got, I don't think right. you got to that part. So, no. 
get over the fact that if this happened in real life, it would trend in twi- on Twitter in five minutes. The bad guy somehow gets your uh, usual sort of dark and quirky, uh, you know, internet hacker girl to turn off the internet. Now, what do you think would happen if suddenly the internet went out? Just, just say in Vancouver, Ryan. Do you think anyone right. would uh, react to this at all? Yeah, I think it would probably be really not a good thing. Yeah, you think you think sort of you know governments and corporations yeah. perhaps yeah. who are amongst uh, certainly the corporations involved in the internet the ri- amongst the richest in the world do you think they might not go oh we better work out how to turn it back on? Well, no, because it's just people at home that use the internet. <laughs> so this is their way of dealing with and and conveniently phones now don't work except when. They need them to work for a plot purpose. Seriously, this shit is just... I mean, plot holes don't even describe it. Like, this is... this is. I can't put enough derision on this. Um, Some of the monsters look cool. Apparently becoming a zombie vampire makes your penis fall off. That's rather funny. Um, Oh, Christ, I don't want that. The... The effects, you know, there's some good images which are del Toro-esque. There's a uh, the Holocaust survivor who's the guy who's hunting the only guy. I who like him. Yeah, and he's he's the one who played Walder Frey in uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Um, little tie in there. He he keeps a heart in a jar in his basement at the pawn shop he owns and feeds it drops of blood. Don't know what that's about, but it looks really good. The rest of it is just a mishmash of. I could care less. Um, I really can't tell you how much I. It cost me to and suffer through seven episodes waiting for the moment when I was going to go. Oh, I get it. It really is brilliant. I'm sorry to all my friends who like the strain. You're wrong. You're just wrong. Now here's not just your <laughs> friends, but here's the IMDb rating for the strain. Are you ready? What would you guess? Oh, maybe six, six and a half. Eight point one. Oh, fuck off. From 18,000 users. Guess what the leftovers got? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. 7.6. No. Yeah. Uh, look, The Strain, if it was a uh, sci-fi movie, even if it was a on an HBO movie of the week, maybe could have worked. When your series does not live up to your promo poster, and I'll draw the helix in here as well, you're in trouble. Um, the... There's nothing wrong with the concept of this, and actually having vampires that are scary and suck your blood is, you know, it, you know, in a way that's horrific, is a good return to the origins of the the myth. The rest of it is cliched, and you know, I just oh, don't want to waste my time on it. Yeah, I, I'm so disappointed. Um, I'd rather have oh, a spin-off of Kevin Durant, who's Another lost ex, who was also um, some fans will know him as he played Joshua in Dark Angel. He plays the rat exterminator, and he's my favourite character. Um, <laughs> as he sort of goes out and sees rats everywhere, and then they disappear. And he, I don't no idea what the point of his character is, but uh, Vasily, with an outrageous Ukrainian accent, uh, is um, right. my favourite. Um, Sean Astin's in no, it. Sean it, Astin's meant to be yeah. a CDC administrator. Bad Hobbit, bad Hobbit. Don't be in this sort of thing. He, um, I like Sean Astin a lot. What the fuck is he doing here? Like, and what role is he playing? Oh. It's like this terrible sidekick. So he's meant to be the one who's sort of uh, his wife's dying and he's made a deal with these bad people to help them because he needs the money or whatever for her treatment. But now, are you talking about Sean Astin acting in this yeah, movie, or are you talking about his character? Good point there. Good point. <laughs> I do not know. I um. Oh God, I just feel sad. It makes me sad. Guillermo del Toro, what are you doing? Just give me an. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I I really it does make me sad because this could have been, should have been. I don't know where it went wrong. Um, who, who can I blame for the writing? Um. I well, know. I suppose Guillermo del Toro because it's based on books he wrote, and I'll have to go and read the book to see if it's any different. But whoever adapted it for the screen, oh, bad people, very bad people. Yeah. This should be so. So, how is it that people like this so much, Jules? 
I don't know. I really don't know, right? I mean, there is so much, else, and we're not in a we're in a uh, place on television where there's lots of hot. You know, we've got a lot more horror, a lot more sci-fi than we've had in in you know ten or fifteen years. So we're not starved for choice. Uh, it's not like this is the only thing around. Um, I, you know, even as a bit of a romp, you know, a, a sci-fi channel-esque sort of thing. I don't know. Uh, you know me, my standards aren't that high. Right. No, that's absolutely true. If there's anything I know about you, <laughs> really. it's uh, standards. So, I don't know. I'd like um, to tell everyone out yeah. there, don't watch The Strain, please. Go and watch every I, I movie. Sort of go and watch every movie Guillermo del Toro has been involved with. And watch it twice, but do not watch The Strain. Do not tell anyone about The Strain. Um... And I think the reason I'm so upset about it is because it should have been great with the people involved with it. There are other shitty shows around and I don't care about them, but this I had high hopes for and um, it let me down. Now, he originally pitched this in 2006. Mm, Okay. Del Toro. um, As a television show. Um, To me, in 2006... I don't think they could have done this, what, um, what they're doing now. But you know what? Maybe they could have told the story better. And maybe in 2006, yeah, maybe. I would have been like, wow, there's hardly... You know, if you think back to 2006, there was no horror on TV. I mean, Supernatural was the benchmark for horror. <laughs> there was no, right. hardly any sci-fi. There was Battlestar Galactica. Uh, we had Lost filling sort of the rest of it. But, you know, maybe then I would have gone, oh, you know... It's a bit cheesy and a bit crappy, but oh, you know, it's it's entertaining enough. But not in 2014. I demand more. Mm. Do not put up with shit. <laughs> right. That's that's, that's our, our motto, motto here at TV Chinwag. Don't put and up like, with shit. It's very rare. Like often, I'll I can see that a show has its attractions and and why other people might like it, even though. I don't, and and vice versa. For example, I have no idea why I'm still watching Sons of Anarchy. I can't defend that in any way based on anything other than that I'm still enjoying it. But I cannot see how anyone's enjoying (laughs) The Strain. So there you go. That's what's weird about watching television and and these stories is that some people will love them. Some people will think they're an 8 out of 10. They would be wrong. They really would be I don't know if I watch anything that I think I is eight out, it's eight out of ten. It depends what depends what you you're voting maybe, on. But maybe in just, terms yeah. of my oh my god, how much I thought about it, how much it made me feel, how much I wanted to see the next episode, even though as I said I had these misgivings or these uh, you know discomfort during it about where it was going, that was part of the process and part of the journey, um, and that's what it was wanting me to feel what's happening why what is this all what is life all about uh the strangest makes me think um why am i not writing television yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> it's one of those oh my god i could throw a you know I, I could name you half a dozen people i know personally who could write better stuff than this yeah i think you're right and, and you know i don't know if it's really the writers that are doing this or is it when people get involved producers come in and say oh no let's make it this or let's make it that or I don't know. I don't I'd know. Be, I am interested to I will and I will have a look at the source material. So I will have a look at the the book, at least the first one of the trilogy it's based on, to see if there's been a um, if something got lost in translation, as we say. Yes. So uh, because I am curious to some extent how we ended up with this mess, given the people involved. I mean, we've got Carton Coos and and Guillermo del Toro who both know about making stuff and maybe part of it just is um you know making good television is hard even when you have talent like that involved it's not a sure thing you can put everything in the bottle and mix it up and sometimes you get the leftovers and you know sometimes you get the strain well, and i do think the, we we forget that sometimes yeah, and it's not do. i agree it's not that easy it's not easy no. and even when you've got source material that might you know if you like be good um there are many steps into getting that to the screen and getting something. But obviously, 
lot of people are liking the strain. So, uh, well, and it got renewed that? for a second season. Yep. So did Helix. The world is an inexplicable place. But then again, as I often say to comfort myself, I would probably have rather more shitty sci-fi on TV than have another shitty CSI or Law and Order. So, yeah. <laughs> so if people if people would like to watch this, but they, what would you suggest instead? Instead of The Strain, yeah. Actually, I think Helix is better than The Strain, right. and that's saying something. And they're both they're both sort of you know outbreak CDC investigating type. Uh, type shows, yeah. but Helix is definitely more coherent and, and is a, a better story than uh, The Strain. Um, I mean, if you like, I mean, you've got your pick of sort of monster shows on TV these days. Go and watch The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch In the Flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, God, watch friggin' Sharknado five times. <laughs> That's how bad this show is. Wow. I would watch. I would watch Sharknado without being stoned before I would watch this again. That's saying something. That's my rant for this week, Ryan. You're really taking one for the team, there, Jules. You're, I am. You're a goddamn hero. I that am, Kelly I know. ain't got nothing on you. <laughs> it's the only Australian hero I could think of, and he's not really well, a hero. He's an outlaw. Well, he. Yeah, well, he was. But he was... Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Is that a TV um, show we can review, Ned Kelly? Oh, no, there was a terrible 70s movie where with Mick Jagger. That's oh, a whole Jesus. other story. Oh, um, actually, speaking of monster shows, though, we at ne- we'll talk about another new one next week. Zed Nation on sci-fi. Um, you're going to make every... We're going to make every single American furious if we start calling it Zed Nation. Good. Okay. Um, and that. then we'll also be talking about a horror of a different sort, a Canadian horror called Trailer Park Boys. It's not a oh, horror, oh, it's oh. a comedy. Yes, but it's about the horror of being Canadian. No, <laughs> it's Jules, It's the no. dark side. It's the side of can- no, Canadians we don't Jules, see. My God. It's Is that really what we're doing next week? I thought we were doing something different. No, we're doing, well, according, uh, no, that's what we're doing. Well, you didn't put in the calendar, so... <laughs> yes, I did. You go and yeah. check the calendar. I'm seeing Trailer Park Boys and Legit. Oh, okay. Actually, we should do Zed Nation and Legit, because they both have um, uh, DJ, DJ Qualls in them. <laughs> Let's do that. But there's only been one or two episodes of Z Nation. That's more than you'll need. <laughs> Can we talk about it for 25 minutes? Well, maybe we'll do... Anyway, we'll discuss offline... <laughs> what we're going to do next week but it will be exciting and informative and put you on the right track of what to watch on television and what to stay away from and what to protect yourself with it will from yeah like thank you ryan it's been a pleasure jules it's been a great pleasure and thank you so much for being so uh, awesome (laughs) oh ryan you can only aspire to this level of awesome one day when I get to your age, hopefully I'm that awesome. <laughs> you should live so long, boy. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll Men see. don't usually live that long, so we'll see. <laughs> oh, I look pretty good for 375. Uh, right. As I do like to say, I am the same age as Doctor Who. 375? No, Not he's about 2,000. <laughs> oh, he is Jesus, isn't he? Yeah. Have we ever done that episode where Doctor Who comes back as Jesus? Uh, yes, that's every three years. Okay, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Review us on iTunes. Tweet us at, at TV Chinwag. Just, and retweet us just like Stars does because we love Stars and we want to be on Stars and Stars is our favourite channel. Do you think that one day we could be on Stars? I think we could. I think so too. Oh my God, that's so funny you say that. And actually, you know what's uh, even the funnier thing? Jules... Is what, we actually have a new review to read out on iTunes. Oh, read it, read it. Do you want me to? Yes. All right, hold on. Um, um, the, the problem is you don't get to see the reviews just all at once. You have to sort of change where your where your region is in iTunes in order yeah, to be able to see it. Yeah, that's because Apple is a cunt. Um, okay, that's not the word that we use on this podcast. Oh, Jules. sorry. Oh, sorry. You're not an Apple but You weren't lining up to buy your Apple 6, were you? Um, no. <laughs> um, People, okay, it's here a we phone. Go. So um, here's an old an old um, uh, customer review that we got um, that I just missed. 
I always this is from Freya nine two two. I always enjoyed TV Chinwag enormously, but last week's podcast featuring Doctor Who, Supernatural, and extensive interview with Mark Shepard, who has been on both show, rocked. I've seen Mr. Shepard speak in various venues, but he was really given the freedom by the host to speak about his passion, and the result was top notch. Yay! Got a five star review. Woo-hoo! Thank you, and uh, and and another. Uh, thank you to Mark Shepard. We've had heaps of listens to to that interview, and I happened to see him last week here in uh, Australia. I went up to Sydney, and he's very keen to do another podcast with us. So we might awesome. might do a podcast uh, dedicated to his Whedon experiences on um, Firefly and Dollhouse. Um, well, that would be pretty cool. So too. Mm-hmm. he's a busy man at the moment. He's got ten uh, conventions to do before the end of the year. So it oh might be hard God. to pin him down, but we will try and do that because um, it's always awesome to listen to Mark, and it's always awesome to listen to us. So tune in, listen to our back catalogue of episodes to find out what to watch, and we'll be back next week for our twentieth episode. Oh, we better plan something special like what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Thanks, Jules. Talk to you next week. Okay, Ryan. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send email to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and myself, Rich Rubin, thanks for listening to TV Chinwag. Hello friends, are you sitting there thinking, man, I wish my Netflix was more exciting and I could support the TV Chinwag podcast? Well, guess what? I have a solution for you. Head over to tvchinwag.com forward slash unblocked. There, we're going to give you a link that's going to take you to a site that allows you to unblock your Netflix from different regions. So if you're a Canadian and you want to watch American Netflix, boom, you can do that. If you're an American and you want to watch German, boom. If you want to watch Iceland, I don't know if they do Iceland, but you, you might be able to basically allows you to access Netflix in any other country. Did you know that Norway has the most content out of any country that has Netflix? It all comes down to their licensing agreements and you know what, it's a big bureaucracy. So you can bypass all that mess by going to tvchinwag.com forward slash unblock. It's free, it's legal, uh, it's a free trial. They give you a one week trial, after that it's $5 a month. Head over there right now and enjoy Netflix from all around the world.